What's going on, you sick fucking death metal freaks? This is Alexander from Undeath, and you are currently listening to Interview Under Fire. All right, everybody, I'm going to welcome you all back to a new episode of Interview Under Fire. As always, this is your host, Sonny, back here once again. And today I have the honor of speaking with a rising death metal frontman and Alex Jones. Thank you so much for joining our IOF series today, Alex. You know, this is shaping up to be an important yet exciting year for you and the rest of the guys over at Undeath with the release of your latest studio album. It's time to rise from the grave. I have to do that, <laughs> which is set to unleash hell technically on April 22nd via Prosthetic Records. Now, let me begin by, you know, commending you on all of the well-deserved recognition this has been getting so far. I mean, holy shit, as an understatement, too devastating singles that recently dropped rise from the grave and head splattered in seven ways and say that seven times fast right so much to discover about this headbanger over record and who you guys are all about but before we get to all that and beyond alex i know we're kind of just let's take a deep breath here before we get to all that right now that we're all collectively kind of seeing the light at the end of this long ass tunnel we've been in for the last two years uh how are you obviously first of all that's a good question and what how has 2022 been like out on the east coast <laughs> um well first of all thank you for for all the kind words i mean we're uh i'm good you know i'm chilling like uh yeah. basically like we got home from the tour with black dahlia murder in october of last year and i've kind of just been like laying low ever since uh, it's, uh you know just you know, trying to build up momentum and get myself energized for the next tours that's kind of like where my life is at right now. I just I yeah. go from tour to tour. And then in the meantime, I'm like Goku in the chamber, you know, just waiting for <laughs> my next chance to come out. I'm just recovering. But that's I'm a bit. I'm using that as a bit. That's a good one. Yeah. I really, really can't complain. I'm doing fine over here. You know, obviously, you know, life, life as of late, many of us are finally, you know, beginning to return to the stage setting, right? Fans and musicians alike. You know, uh, I, I got to mention this because we talked about it before the interview started. You know, you have just finished up an exciting touring cycle alongside Black Dahlia Murder towards the tail end of last year. And for anyone who doesn't know, an opening act of opening acts, I mean, I won't be surprised if it, you know, in just maybe this year, you'll do a headlining tour of your own because you guys are making, you guys are making the rounds. And and I know returning to the stage is is one thing, but after almost two years, right? Are you still feeling the after effects of that tour? I mean, I feel like you're itching to go back out again, right? Oh, totally, dude. I mean, yeah, that, that tour was unlike anything I've ever been a part of. I mean, I've I've done some touring in my life, like not, but never anything close to that. Yeah. That, that was just on a completely unheard of level of just like professionalism and all the other bands parts. Just the and you know, the thing that you can't possibly overstate is just the shows themselves were just remarkable. You know, like the I, I've never played venues that big before. It was like every night was a thousand twelve hundred fifteen hundred cap rooms and most of them were close to if not sold out and it was just like obviously i know it's not for us like it's for the black tally murder but oh come on I, okay trust me i mean they i mean the people who actually dallas for example i don't think i have it's been a while since i've seen it packed the way it was even when you guys performed so mm-hmm. yeah black dally murder will will do what they're gonna do and shout i mean we love black dally murder right but having a band like black dahlia uh bring you guys on tour think about the exposition like all the like uh, people that will be seeing you because of black dahlia you know it pertains to the the death metal act and i think it just you guys add that breath of fresh air into that realm so i just wanted to you know wanted to make sure that people know that hey you guys are out there okay black dahlia do what they're gonna do but you guys are doing your thing as well yeah that's what was exciting just because like you know we uh that was like i think a lot of people's first time ever hearing about us at all you know Uh i think that was their first exposure to us and i think up until that point we had a little bit of like an internet following but nothing really that tangible no real like sizable fan base or anything like that and i think that's something that we're constantly building toward but uh the way that all of us looked at it on that tour was just like you know we got 20 minutes like let's just like let's just go out there yeah go big or go home right Let's play our five best songs and just get out of there. <laughs> you know, obviously the one thing that makes undeath undeath is a live presence that you guys put on stage. And, and that's the one 
<laughs> you guys are the one band I remember from that night, aside from, you know, Black Daily Murder, because they they had their live presence. But holy shit, Undeath. And I was telling Alex earlier, for people who were just tuning, tuning in, they turned at the merch table towards the front of the stage once Undeath played. It's not just because the show started. It's just because of how you guys sounded. And I do want to stick on that subject of the touring life, because I know you guys have another one coming up with the Acacia Strain, I believe, and Dying Fetus. Like, man, would you say you have a newfound appreciation of the live concert experience now, considering what's been happening since 2020? Oh, totally. I mean, I like I wouldn't even say it's new. It's just different, you know, yeah. because going to shows was and has always been one of the cornerstones of just like my social life. You know, there's there's not a whole lot of reasons that I leave the house these days or really ever did. And <laughs> one of like the three or four reasons that I would ever leave my apartment was just to go see bands play. And I think when COVID took all that away, obviously we couldn't you know, do that. It was, it was a, yeah, it was a huge part of me missing. And I think uh, now I would say just my appreciation for like the live space is just renewed. It's like, uh, it's like everything that I felt before just uh, turned up even more. You know, obviously staying busy during the pandemic is an important thing. I don't know about you. Like it's the first couple of months I was like, oh, okay, I can actually catch up on shit that I didn't even do for the past couple of months. Like, and then, you know, May hit and then June hit, dude, I, I took up baking, man. <laughs> I never did that shit before in my life. And now I can actually, I know how to bake. My sister taught me how to do that. I'm like, shout out to my sister, by the way, but Tanisha, but it was just like, you know, things like that. I wonder if, if new things opened up for you. Alex, that you may have not discovered before that you can take with you going forward, you know, because I love asking this question because it I feel like it really feeds into the creativity of a musician like yourself. Yeah, th I think it's a great question. You know, I uh, honestly like uh, I've been in so many bands and uh, obviously I think Undeath is the one that people are going to be the most familiar with, but I would never really consider myself a musician. It's just like I've always just been the guy that was available to like scream in other people's bands and like scream over and fucking good at it at the same time. All right. So <laughs> thank you. But, um, I think like when, when COVID hit, like right before a lockdown happened for my birthday, my girlfriend actually got me like an orange combo amp uh, just to practice Holy with. Shit. Yeah. Because I like, I, it, dude, it was like such a dire situation. Like I had been trying to learn guitar for so long. And uh, especially starting on death, like with Kyle, I mean, he's such a masterful guitar player. Like I just, and he has such an ear for riffs. I just wanted to like approximate what he was doing. He just Shout inspired out to Kyle, me to play so much. Shout out to Kyle. <laughs> yeah, Kyle's a man. Uh, but I, I had this electric, electric guitar, but no amp. And my girlfriend finally got me an amp. And then pretty, you know, I hate to say conveniently, but it was like the whole world shut down right then. Yeah. And then I, all of a sudden I just had all of, and I got laid off from my job. So I just had all the time in the world just to practice guitar. And that's been a really fruitful and invigorating thing in my life. It's just mm -hmm. like taking an hour, two hours a day, just to noodle around, learn some riffs. Like just, I, I wouldn't call myself a consummate guitar player at this point by any means, but I feel like I'm a lot better than I was a year, year and a half ago. And that's been, that's been exciting for me. And I feel like now, uh, I, I wouldn't say I'm qualified to call myself like a, an adequate musician at this point, but I feel like I can, I can hang a little bit better, you know? May I remind you that Kyle is in your band, so he is there at your disposal. So I'm like, hey, Kyle, just letting you know, I'm right here. I got my amp. Let's fucking go. I, I, something, something I want to get your take on, Alex, because this has been kind of, it's been the commonality for the last two years, and you've seen it. A lot of the bands, what they did on, you know, on stage during the pandemic, they moved it to the live streaming, right? You know, mm -hmm. we've had so many bands on our show, like, you know, Trivium and August Burns Red, Devin Townsend came on our show, and they talked about their experience on, you know, performing in front of the fans in front of like this setting. Obviously, these interviews would be in person, right? But, uh, you know, with what we all saw during that quarantined induced live streaming surge, do you think that's going to affect the musician touring business going forward? Has it already been affected? Like, do you still see bands making that sort of a, I don't know, a, a normality as we enter like midpoint of 2022 and beyond. Yeah. You know, I don't, I'm not sure. I think uh, if you would ask me that same question, like six months ago, I would have said, Oh yeah. Like live, st live streaming is going to be the the way forward, you know, but mm -hmm. now I feel like we're, we're, we've kind of hit this rhythm with COVID and with lockdown restrictions and, you know, for better or for worse, it just seems like 
every five or six months or so it's like okay we're back to max like we're back to <laughs> that's you know, the blah, one blah. thing i'm worried about yeah because europe is now opening up i think i think great britain or london they just opened up yesterday yeah earlier this week and i was just like oh shit oh shit right. you know you don't want to say you want to say things too soon but it's always it's always that like i felt like it really changed i didn't mean to cut you off there but i just wanted to piggyback off what you just said like things are opening back up this is the best i've seen you've seen probably since the pandemic started Absolutely. And, you know, I like I wish I had a crystal ball and I could just say what was going to happen in the future. But to me, I mean, I don't know. I'll knock on wood right now. Like things seem to be moving knock in, on a, all the woods. in a positive. I'll do it while I'm saying this. Seems <laughs> things seem to be moving in like a positive upward direction in terms of like shows coming back. So fingers crossed we can keep it keep us up for a while. But I mean, I don't know. I think live streaming and the the stuff the bands have done with that technology is really cool. And I mean, we did it like we did it for yeah. our releases of a different kind yeah. of release show. Yeah, you did. Um, it was great. Actually. I tuned into that. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, we had a good time doing it, but I think, uh, what, what was that like for you? Was it just, this is weird. What do I do with myself? You know, it's just, it like, was just, it was weird. And, you know, I think that everybody who's involved in live streaming, especially on the business side of things, wants you to say like, oh, it's it's just like playing a show. But I mean, it's not. Like, <laughs> no, it's not. How could it <laughs> Both be? of my brothers are musicians. I come from a music family. I've seen when it people would do it. It's like, man, this is really awkward. <laughs> yeah. And like we, we did it because we didn't have a choice, you know, and uh, we just wanted to play something resembling a show to commemorate the album yeah. coming out. And we had a good time doing it. But I think moving forward, I wouldn't be surprised if, just given like the uncertainty of shows coming back and like and touring like international touring coming back on a permanent basis my theory at this current juncture would be that the live live streaming space is going to like come back but it's going to exist in kind of a separate realm and it's not going to be so hmm. much like the fallback for bands not touring it's just going to be another option to have so that that would be my guess but i don't think that something like live streaming could ever permanently replace an actual concert unless there was like a global extinction event and that was Holy the shit. only thing that we had left. I, mean, I mean right i mean why not just bring that on hopefully not god i mean we need live music <laughs> not gonna wood again it's it's yeah on the wood um listen it's really cool to mosh in your own room right but how much like how much longer can you do it for it's like we did the live streaming and you kind of just hit that bar barrier like okay how much more creative we can get i'm gonna point something out here too i've had friends Case in point, the behemoth, when they did their live streaming, I've had friends who've never seen behemoth live. They would text me and say, Sonny, hey, did you see the behemoth live stream? Like, uh, no, I went and tuned in. And the reason why I'm mentioning this to you, Alex, is uh, mental health. A lot of my friends, they purposely don't go to these shows because of the anxiety of being around large crowds. And I feel like that's kind of a topic that we kind of just overlooked for the last couple of years. They benefited oh. off of something like this. You know, the fact that they've never able to see someone like behemoth or undeath you know and i, I believe uh i believe a trivium did a few of them you know and and code orange one of the first bands to do it i believe like when they performed at that empty venue it's crazy we're almost two years from that date and like i don't know i feel like that kind of rabbit hole topic could go further and further because a lot of people benefited from me especially like the third world countries who may not have access to someone like undeath Oh, absolutely. Line, so. Yeah, that, that's a really fantastic point. I, I mean, like, I can absolutely see us doing a live stream type thing again in the future. Like, I don't know, we would have to have a lot of conversations about what it would entail and what it would look like. But I mean, we, I'm, I'm smiling because because I watched your music videos. I'm like, it's possible. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely possible. But uh, you know, every time we announce shows or tours, like we still get people commenting on it being like, oh, you know, I wish I could come, but I'm still like really anxious about yeah. being in crowds and stuff. And yeah, I like I completely understand. So uh, I think if it was something that would, you know, bring I'm down to just bring everybody in, you know, so whatever we can do to manifest that I'm I'm game for. And speaking of manifesting, man, we talked about everything, right? Let's get to that second album. All right. It's it's time to rise from the grave. And holy shit, drops April 22nd on Prosthetic Records. Now, before we dive, yeah, drink that coffee because you're going to want to hear this. Herbal before, tea, brother. Oh, it's tea. Man. Uh, too, it's too late for coffee. I'm old. It's 5.34 here in Dallas. I'm always getting coffee, man. I'm always gonna, <laughs> I'm probably going to get coffee after this. Usually, I always, start, I always start off my day with coffee. Anyway, shout out to coffee and tea. I'm going to have to try tea now. Now, that's the, that's the influence you're putting on me. All right. Oh, this is a tea <laughs> household, 100%. <laughs> now, uh, before we dive a little further into this new album, you know, uh, Lesions of a Different Kind. That dropped in 2020. Here's the thing. I went back and heard that. And it was just a solid effort 
through and through. I felt like that debut album, again, I'm one of thousands of million fans out in the world, but excuse me, but that debut album, I felt like it really, you know, showcased Undead's place in the death metal realm. It sounded, it took me back to like the early days of Cannibal Corpse and with a blended of modern era sounds of bands like Frozen Soul, which they're a local favorite of ours. Shout out to mm-hmm. Frozen Soul. Someone like me, I really appreciated that. You know, sounds of everything that you guys are as well. Like I knew it was undead. So you had that debut album out, Alex, right? And now here we are with this album. And what do we hear so often with this second album, that sophomore slump that we so often hear? I got to ask, man, was there any such thing as pressure for you and the guys when you decided to sit down and write again for a new full length or even a follow-up? Or was it just like, fuck it, we got the debut album out of the way, now we're going to do what we're going to do? You what know, a question, I know. No, it's a great question. I mean, we it's actually kind of funny how it played out for us because I feel like if we were any other band, it would have worked out like that where we would have had just a ton of pressure on our shoulders to follow up their first album. But for this one, it was like, you know, when we were recording Lesions, I don't want to say we were rushed while we were doing it, but we did have like a pretty strict deadline to get everything turned into pressing plants and stuff. Um, so, I mean, Kyle and Matt, I mean, we were still a three piece back then. So Kyle and Matt recorded all the instruments themselves and we were, so broke so they had to do everything in like two days and for a 10 track album and maybe it was three it was a weekend it was a long weekend tops and then we had to drive back they had to drive back here and we had to record all my vocals just in my apartment so and then we had to turn everything in to get mixed and mastered like as fast as possible but and then you know we we had expectations for the record you know we hoped that people liked it we hope that our friends liked it but you know what actually transpired and like the attention that it got was nothing that any of us could have possibly anticipated so i think for this record for its time there really was wasn't a strict deadline you know we knew we wanted to get it out fast we knew we wanted to uh, have all the ideas that we had percolating for riffs and songs and stuff we wanted to just get those recorded and like a, at a, in a timely fashion but there was no strict cutoff date for when we could get vinyl press. There was no strict like, you know, studio time trickery or anything like that. So mm-hmm. we really had a lot more time this time around to just luxuriate in the process and really get some. We, I mean, we had two weeks in the studio instead of three, two or three days. So it was honestly like a much more comfortable, relaxed process. A little bit more done. comfortable, I'd say, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> As opposed but, to two, two to three days, man. I mean, again, like, good Lord, your, your bandmates, like they're. They really went above and beyond. And now you guys are a five piece unit. Uh, and, you know, this album, it clocks at around 36 minutes. And I got to say, get ready for one of the most strongest neck workouts of your life. And I mean, <laughs> if you need to, if you need to get a workout within just like half an hour, you can get, you don't even need to go to the gym. This, I think this <laughs> album did that for me personally, you know, from songs like uh, Fiend for Corpses to Rise from the Grave to Head Splatter in Seven Ways to trampled headstones which is my personal favorite that song you know okay. this i felt like this had everything a death metal fan would want and this is quite the follow-up i can't wait to hear these songs live you know the names i mentioned right just now i feel like i feel like this is the part that this is this part of it's it's the fun of being in a death metal van band are, are the titles yeah, oh I yeah. wonder I wonder if there were any other brutal titles that were kind of competing to make the cut here because it seemed like you guys just had like that hat that just drew names out of it because I felt like it would be so difficult to just pick them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, we, we love like the kind of the goofier element of death metal for sure. I mean, just kind of like the B horror movie shock value aspect of it. Like <laughs> you talk to any of us for more than five minutes, you'll recognize pretty quickly that we're not we don't take ourselves that seriously as people. I love that. You know, I love that. We don't we don't really i mean we take the band seriously obviously we take the music seriously but like we're not laboring under any delusions about who we are like kyle and i are just fucking gamers like we're not yeah we're same. Not, I'm, I'm a gamer too so <laughs> like we're not go, going out there trying to be something we're not so i think the the ridiculous song title is just kind of like it's all just us in the practice space being like oh like, wouldn't this be funny to like name a song like that and then we just put it on a record because nobody told us no like it's just it's so fun to say i remember when we had uh rob barrett from cannibal corpse on our show uh for violence unimagined when they were when they were we were promoting that and i was asking rob a question like do you guys ever just get run out of these titles sometimes like i'm surprised that it took you long enough to find the uh, album title torture 
after like 20 years, <laughs> you know, because yeah, like something like that. I was, I feel like that's a really cool component about being in a death metal band. Cause you get to, it's art, even corpse grinder said it, it's art. Shout out to corpse grinder, but it's like, and with undeath, I'm seeing that reminds me of like, just like I said, the early years of cannibal corpse and you guys, I felt like are really an amazing testament to that. Taking that forward with a whole new creative like the the game i feel like is changing and i feel like you guys are one of the few bands who are doing it the right way you know and i'm going to quote you here I'm, I'm quoting somebody here big rips and plenty of gore walk me through this dude how much <laughs> did things change from when you first started composing on it's time to rise from the grave to where you ended up finishing it did a lot change in between did nothing change or was there already a specific sound you guys had in mind from day one? Um, you know, I think like with when we were trying to follow up lesions, like we just we didn't really have like a, a guiding purpose behind what we were doing. Besides the fact that like we just didn't want to get cute with it. You know, we didn't want to start adding like unnecessary elements. We didn't want to start experimenting with stuff that we weren't 100 percent comfortable with. You know, yeah. I, th I think a lot of bands have some take some degree of success with their first album. And then for the next one, they kind of feel this like artistic pressure now and it's like oh i guess we gotta add synthesizers and samples and stuff like that to every song because we're a serious band now. I, was, I was laughing about the whole synthesizer thing. synthesizer thing can't even talk because it's 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 so true anyway and go ahead yeah and it's like you know i think we just with lesions i think there were specific songs in that album like the title track and acidic twilight visions and uh like well i think those are the big two for us and ones that we talk yeah. about but there were definitely a couple songs on Lesions that we really liked how they worked. We liked structurally just how they felt to play. Uh, we just enjoyed writing and performing those songs so much that we knew going into the next next record, let's just double down on all of those elements. You know, let's just uh, let's not get precious here about our about our death metal. Let's just try to be like the best undeath that we can be now. And yeah. I think in the writing process, you know, it really was it was just that we were just. Uh, retaining the elements that worked the most on the first record and just trying to really get the most out of them and, and kind of take everything a couple steps further. And uh, once we kind of had that formula locked in and once we, uh, you know, had everybody caught up in all the material, it was, it was pretty straightforward from then on, you know, and I wouldn't say a lot really changed in the studio or anything like that. Yeah. And speaking of the formula, I got to talk about the production because the sound itself was a big part of this record that I really love. Like I'm an audiophile, Alex, these days. I'm very picky on how I want my music to sound, the way I want it to sound. As far as the producing, mixing, and mastering, I know you guys traveled to the city of brotherly love to record this with, uh, what's his name? Scoop Stardaris. I, I, I feel like I wanted to say his name over and over again because it's so Scoops. fun to say. Um, yeah, Scoops is the man. Shout, shout, Scoops. shout out to Scoops. At, at Headroom Studios between March and April of last year, if I'm not mistaken. And Correct. then you had Arthur Rizik, uh, who's known for his work with Creeping Death and Enforced to master this. Talk about these two for a minute here, man. I'm sure there was that sense of comfortability in the studio for you, knowing that you had someone like Scoops and Arthur working on this record with you, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, uh, Scoops uh, is just like a really incredibly talented engineer. Uh, he really knows what he's doing. He really knows how to get the best performances out of people. Um, you know, I know a lot of not a lot of, but I feel like a lot of the maybe more famous, more renowned engineers out there kind of treat their studios like a boot camp almost. Like, oh, yeah. we're gonna make all the we're gonna make the musicians cry, and then we're gonna make them suffer and get good performances that way. But uh, Scoops is like just the opposite of that. He's really supportive. He just really loves what he does, and uh, we worked with him on Lesions, and we just loved it. You know, I think he really just crushed the entire process. So when it came time to choose an engineer for its time, it was it was a no brainer. Of course, we were gonna go with him and. Uh, we just camped out in his studio for two weeks and, you know, we all had our air mattresses and we would just go down there and, you know, we sell our shit up first day, got tones the next couple of days. And then it was just like, wake up at nine, 10 AM record all day until like midnight, 1 AM. And then just like drag all of our air mattresses out and just go to sleep in the studio. Like we were please really, tell, please tell me you documented that you documented this on something or something like I did. Yeah, dude. Oh, I, dude. I, I had like aspirations of doing a, a much more thorough like documentation of the record, but I I kind of like forgot that I was also going to be on the record. It's like, oh wait, okay. Usually the one with the phone, right? And I'm, I'm yeah, a film so buff, so I'm always the one behind the camera. It's like, oh wait, hold on, we got work to do. <laughs> so I, as you're telling me this, I I always think of 
the one footage that I think of is when Machine was recording Sacrament with Lamb of God. Dude, I and love that footage. That footage. Like, I just want to go back and watch it because of just the authenticity between the musicians and, and the producer. Because originally, what was the story? He didn't want to do the album. <laughs> and, yeah. he's just, and he's sitting there, like, telling them to do shit. And, like, all the other band members are like, all right, well... Yeah, I mean, if this I, is what we if asked I, for. <laughs> if I remember my Lamb of God history that well, I, I think it was like he did Ashes of the Wake first, right? And then yes, they they gave him like a really fucking hard time about the production on that album. Like they really didn't like it. And then Machine, some, shout out to Machine. Yeah, and then like for some reason they ended up going back to him, and he he approached them, and he was like, "I'll only do this record with like these stipulations." He's like, oh "You have to listen God. to my ideas." And I, I mean, I'm glad they did because his ideas on Sacrament are awesome. I mean, there's a reason that album is so huge. Obviously, it's the musicianship, but like uh, his engineering and production touches on that thing are just brilliant. Like he's so talented. Yeah, I, I just love it when bands are able to release footage like that. But again, that's totally up to you, Alex. But, but I we, do, like... we do have that footage. It exists, but it's on a series of SD cards somewhere. And someday Mickey, if you're out there, it. you're listening to this podcast. <laughs> this podcast is going to be all, all major streams, by the way. So everyone cool. will hear it. So uh, so yeah, B-sides. I'm a huge fan of that. Um, you know, between writing and, of course, structuring the songs and the production process, like we just talked about, the song titles, right, Alex? The lyricism throughout uh, this album, It's Time to Rise from the Grave. Usually, even... Undeath's like catalog it deals with gory murder torture the things that go well with the sound that you guys are you know rise from the grave and head splattered in seven ways you have this disgustingly delicious music video both of them produced by eric easterday we've done a lot of shout outs but shout out to eric also and and then with head splattered in seven ways i can't i can't help i gotta say this it's about the number seven with seven syllables in in the title it's the seventh song on the track and the verse and the chorus are in seven and the bridge section repeat seven times. And then, yeah. <laughs> and then, and then, and then the, like, it's just the way the song is, you know, presented to, as the fan, like myself, even the lyrics, right. It's centered around a, what is it? A deranged interrogation scene with, with yeah. a murderer that possesses, I believe like psionic powers, yep. uh, you know, <laughs> I, be, I begin to think about the tangibles of a theme to like undeath you know does that ever come into play for a death metal like a band like yourself like is that a big component to songwriting on this record like i can't help but ask that man because i felt like you guys really dug deep and i know you're gonna take us take yourself seriously but you guys got really creative in getting that out there like i feel like you i could take undeath and plug it into like 80s death metal you guys will fit right in <laughs> yeah i mean you know it, it's like we definitely like think about the lyrics and we think about the uh the more narrative driven like component of the band and stuff like that but i think ultimately when it comes down to our writing process like everything just has to benefit the song you know and hmm. i think it would, if we're writing a song that sounds like heads flattered in seven ways it would be weird if i was on top of it just singing about like uh like how i was shoveling snow a couple hours earlier <laughs> like Dude. or like what i have for dinner like it would just be weird i, I but, wonder about like the like the idea for that music video who came up with that idea were you just like it was just like, man, we're actually doing this. I wonder what that experience was like, even again, behind the scenes footage for something like that. Like that must've been really fun to shoot. Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah. And Eric is the man. I mean, he, we were fortunate enough to meet him actually when we were recording it's time because we needed a uh, like new band pictures taken of us. And our manager got us hooked up with him because he was like, I know this dude who lives in Philly, he takes great photos and we just hit it off with him. And then I think like, as we were leaving that photo session, he was like, you know, I also shoot music videos. So if you guys ever need one, like hit me up. We were like, okay, sure. And then, you know, we ended up needing music videos. And I was like, well, we know this Eric guy. Let's have him do it. Um, and he's awesome. But I mean, so, for, for the visual component of, of Headsplatter, yeah. at least, like, uh, I live right around the corner from this butcher shop called McCann's. Perfect. And I'm, I go in there all the time. Like, it's just, it's a great little restaurant, like cafe. They just have like awesome sandwiches and stuff. And, it just kind of like clicked one day while I was just in there and we were, we were really kind of like up, we were behind the eight ball in a lot of ways in terms of getting that video shot. We were kind of running out of time and mm -hmm. I was like, why don't we just do it like in a butchery and everybody is just uh, like getting splattered with fake blood. Like it, it doesn't, it can really be that simple. Like we can just do that. And uh, I remember I sent that night, I got home and I sent uh, McCann's, I just found their email on Google. I sent them this like, eight paragraph long email 
And I was just no being way. so. I, I was, I was thinking so, you were gonna. I thought I thought I was I was prepared for a story like yeah I approached the owner in person. You sent them an email that that like if I were yeah. you I would like just put it up on the wall that goes up on the fridge tonight, man. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I sent them this long like pleading email and I was just like I probably came across so desperate, but I was like, you know I, I go into your shop all the time. Like, I love you guys. Uh, we're we're a death metal band called Undeath. Like we really need to shoot a music video. Like. Oh, I just think it'd be really cool. And like, it was, it just went I'm just, on and I'm on just and thinking on. of like the person who's reading. It's like, man, this guy's desperate. <laughs> yeah, <he laughs> we probably should probably was. give him a call. <laughs> and then I remember the dude from the dude who owns McCann's, Mr. McCann. Like, he, I remember he, there was a day I didn't hear back from him. And I was like, I fucking hate myself. Like, why did I send this email? And then he emailed me back at like 6 a.m. the following day. And he was like, haha, I'm wow. into it. Like, let's do it. Dude, and look at the result. Look at the reception that the fans are giving you guys. I mean, it's, when I say you guys bring a breath of fresh air into death metal, case in point, I mean, the things that you guys are doing, it's it's so creative and it's so fun. It's like, holy shit, like this is this is the shit that I want to see. You know, it's just it's so pure. It's it's so like you don't take yourself seriously. It you know, gory and shit like I mean, I'm a I think I'm a closeted like horror movie fan and I'm and I'm appreciating the tone and the theme a lot more these days. Like, I, I mean as a kid i mean i couldn't watch those movies dude and now it's no, like that's that's like all i watch you know and that's even that's even more impressive that you didn't either and now look at you like you're doing what you're doing uh, i i wonder about these albums with you know the the last one with lesions and now here we are with grave would you say alex that you see you know these albums as snapshots of where you are in a certain time in your life looking back even though you know the topic of subject is just you know you guys are it's gory and whatever and whatever themes, but like at a, like looking back on certain albums, it reminds me of a certain time in your life. I don't know if you're a sentimental person like me, but oh, I'm an ask incredibly sentimental person. Yeah, <laughs> big time. Like I, I'm not a horror movie guy at all. I'm a romantic comedy guy through and through. I'm a I'm a real big softy at heart. Um, I love but, that. That's on this podcast, dude. That's great. Um, oh yeah, dude. I like I have a like strong appreciation for horror movies, but like. If I'm just like sitting down with like a glass of whiskey, just trying to like unwind, like I'm gonna throw on John Tucker Must Die. Like, I'm hold on, throw on, hold on a second. I'm gonna count to three. I do this. I do this with my guests sometimes, depending on the topic of subject. I'm gonna count to three. After three, we're both gonna name our favorite rom com. You ready? Okay. You got it. Wait, give me two seconds to think about it. That's a really tough question. I know. <laughs> that just means there's a lot of good ones out there. <laughs> I already know what it is because it's in, it's been in my top ten for like. 10 years favorite rom-com yeah, ever i guess it's, as if i haven't put you on the spot already during this conversation this is hilarious i guess it's technically a rom-com so yeah let's go for it no this, this is gonna, this this is, this is gonna is, completely I'm ne- i've never had this discussion with any death metal like artist ever so this, oh, is, this is gonna i've done maybe over my reputation interviews death metal this is gonna be one for the books you ready we're gonna both, ready, we're both gonna name it i don't know do if my ca- yeah no mine definitely counts all right no, you you do the countdown. All right, one, two, okay. three, and, we're, and then we're gonna we're gonna name it. All right, one, two, three. Bridget Jones. Five hundred days of summer. Oh, Ooh, that's a good one too. Okay. I've seen that. Fuck yeah, <laughs> man! Five hundred days of summer. I watched that when I had my one of the most brutal breakups I've ever had. Man, that that got me through so much. Dude, like, you know what's I, funny is I saw that movie with with an ex like when it first came out, and I think we broke up like really soon after we watched. It. Isn't that weird though? Like I felt like that deals with a lot of just dealing with exes. It's like you can't you can't watch it with someone you're with. My yeah. older brother even had that uh, experience with his ex girlfriend. So and he introduced that movie to me after that experience, and then whoa, mind blown. Anyway, singularity. Uh, uh, and then you said Bridget Bridget Jones, right? I mean, Fuck yeah. Dude, how old is that movie? I feel like those came out in the same like at least, at least 20, 20 years old, I would oh, say. Never maybe. mind. Yeah. <laughs> Five five hundred days is like 11, 12 years old, something like that. Yeah. But, uh Bridget Jones is probably, I mean, off the top of my head, maybe like oh three, oh four would be. Why my that guess. movie? Why that movie? <laughs> I love it. I mean, like I, I actually don't know if it's my favorite of all time, but I mean, like I was really sitting there struggling to think of like just the one and there's a lot of ones that like i love but like that movie in particular just like there's a lot of nostalgia wrapped up in it you know it was a movie that my mom really liked so and it was one of the only like pg-13 r-rated movies around the house that like she was comfortable letting me watch when i was a kid because like she liked it too um i need some tea 
And yeah, and like my dad's version of those movies is like The Matrix. Like that was a if my dad didn't like that movie, it was definitely like a hard pass in my household. But like my dad loved it, so I was allowed to watch it too. Um, but yeah, like you know, I've probably seen Bridget Jones like twenty, thirty times. <laughs> like just uh, you know what I really love is uh, this. I feel like this. I've seen movies like. Man, I can't believe we're talking about this. P.S. <laughs> I love you. Twenty seven oh, dresses. Yeah. Uh, uh, what's another one? There was one with the. I mean, obviously, even talking about Catherine Hagel in like the mid two thousands to early two thousand ten, she started most of those. Yeah, I feel like the Judd Apatow movies uh, is knocked up. That does that count as one? That counts as yeah. one. Yeah, it's technically a romantic comedy. Yeah, it's yeah, about God. romance and comedy. And now I'm thinking about Forty Year Old Virgin. Like that's holy shit. Uh, yeah, that's another <laughs> fantastic movie. <laughs> But honestly, like my like my girlfriend and I like we're constantly watching just like a really bad like mid two thousands teen movies. Like just something about it is so comforting to us. Like we watch shit like Bring uh, It On. Yeah, bring it on exactly. I bring love that. Oh, okay. Can uh, I tell you something? John right Tucker now? Must Die. That's a great movie. Can I tell you something right now? I don't think I don't. I think this is a chick flick. I I think this is not a rom com. It's a chick yeah. flick. I actually like it. I'm. I think people around the world already know that I mentioned this on a few of my episodes. I love Spice World. <laughs> Fuck yeah, dude. <laughs> Do your thing. Dude, I love that movie. There was a two-for-one deal on Blockbuster. I remember, I'll never forget this day. 1998, me and my brother, we were just like, Saturday night, right? Two-for-one deal at Blockbuster. And we're like, okay, let's rent D3 The Mighty Ducks. And we're like, okay, what other movie? And then I saw this cover of just like five chicks. And I was a kid, right? I was already in love with them. I didn't give a shit. I was like, let's let's get it. <laughs> so that night we had popcorn, pe- popcorn, shrimp and pizza. The parents were away. My mom was recording an album at that time because she's a music artist. But we, we had the house to ourselves and we watched in order uh, Spice World, then D3 and then Spice World again. It was like oh two God. o'clock in the morning and there come home. And we're like, what are you guys watching? <laughs> Dude, that's we, me and him were just up all night ever since then. Um, I mean, Spice World has has had a special place in my heart. I mean, even my gag gift, I don't have it with me. I have a Spice World like 25th anniversary mug that I got for Christmas <laughs> this past Christmas that my brother got me. Anyway, um, I Did feel like know, I could... Yeah. You know what's like a, a great movie that... Well, it's not a good movie, but uh, one of, I would classify the movie Out Cold as being a top five, if not top three movie for me. It is... This truly reprehensible. I remember that film, what? snowboard comedy movie. Yeah, holy crap! Early mid two thousands, dude. Like so hard to watch in this day and age. Like so many of the jokes just do not work anymore. Not but, at all. Uh, um, like it, it's just it's one of those movies that like for some reason I've seen so many times. Uh, sometimes against my will, sometimes willingly, and it's like i can just quote like half of it at this point so whenever people are like what are your favorite movies like <laughs> out cold has to make that list based on the sheer number of times i've seen it i, I remember seeing it on usa once i'm looking at it right now it, <laughs> i mean these movies it, zach galifianakis was in that if i remember correctly yeah um, he was that's i think um, that was the first time i've ever seen him and got an eight percent on rotten tomatoes that's so funny <laughs> oh but, my, but, my girlfriend but, just my girlfriend just rushed out of uh, our room to give me a thumbs up for mentioning out cold <laughs> <laughs> Man, the early like movies of like the like the two thousands. I remember, I still remember not another teen movie. That yep. was also great. And uh, uh, man, we need to have like a drink or something over this, dude. Because I feel like we could talk about. We'll save that when you come to Dallas. We're so, gonna have a discussion about just rom coms. Oh, I don't yeah. think I've ever had this discussion with anybody for for it's, to be honest, rom coms in period like ever. Oh, I'm honored. Um, it's so it's so funny because like when when I do interviews and people ask me like. So you're like a death metal singer. Like, what are your favorite horror movies? I'm like, bro, I watched like six hours of anime yesterday. Like, I'm not, I'm not like a death metal like horror movie like dude that you think I am. I'm just like, I'm just a guy who Yeah, I'm just a guy who loves movies. That that's really it, you know? I'm just a guy who enjoys good cinema. And then uh, oh, a great movie. Dude, I I don't know how we didn't mention this is 10 Things I Hate About You. Holy shit. Oh man, I, I, I was I was kind of a late bloomer to that movie because I was hearing about it when I was younger, and then of course, who mentioned it? Uh, there was a friend of mine in Houston. She mentioned it. You should watch Ten Things I Hate About You, and you could quote that movie so much. Yes. I mean, uh, I'm I'm gonna not gonna go there right now because I feel like we're gonna go off the rails here. So listeners around the world are like, gonna be like, "What the hell are these guys talking about?" Well, I'm here. To, <laughs> I'm here for death metal, not rom com. 
But yeah, hey, all the listeners tuned out about 15 take minutes out, ago. Take out work for it. Um, 500 Days of Summer, Bridget Jones Diary, Out Cold, Bring It On, uh, 10 Things I Hate About You. Like, it's just, those are actually really solid movies. And I and I actually really love Leap Year. <laughs> now I'm thinking about it. I don't think I've seen Leap Year. Leap Year's with Amy Adams and uh, uh, Matthew Goody, uh, okay. Watchmen. He was Ozzy Mendez. I saw that mm. in theaters with my girlfriend. Somehow she found it, and I found myself enjoying it a lot more. And you know how when you, I don't know if you get this with your girlfriend, but with my ex, when we would walk out, she would say, I didn't like that ending. He should have treated her better. So I'm like, I thought it was great. <laughs> I don't know if you're like that, but I'm always like, I think that was great. That that it ended the way it should. I'm always okay with rom-com endings. I don't know what it is. Maybe I'm just biased. Oh, yeah. But, I love, I mean, if a movie ending is uh, unsatisfying, generally I like it more. Like I like to, uh, I like when movies don't end the way that you expect them to. Case in point, 500 Days of Summer, because technically exactly. they, spoiler yeah. alert, you know, they, because here's the thing, it's a story about love, not to people, you know what I'm saying? It's not like, yeah. it's not a love story. That's what I'm trying to say. But um, uh, What was I going to say? Uh, There's one more thing. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> it's not like a serious movie by any means, but there was this movie that came out, she's uh, um, probably like five, six years ago at this point. It's called They Came Together, and it's uh, Paul Rudd and Amy Poehler. And it's basically just... Uh, How did I miss this one? Hold on. So it's, I believe, don't quote me on this, but I believe it's written and directed by the people who did like Wet Hot American Summer. Uh, so it kind of has those comedic sensibilities to it. The entire movie is just this send-up of movies like that, of like rom-coms. And I'm, looking, it's, I'm, I'm looking at the line of Ed Helms, Bill Hader. Yeah. I mean, what the heck? It's, How did I miss this? I, most people haven't seen it. I feel like it kind of came and went, but it's it's truly like one of the funniest movies I've ever seen. I will. Hey, it's on HBO Max, bro. I have there HBO Max. I'll watch it tonight. I'll let you know how it is. Um, yeah, please but, do, man. But dude, all right, let's let's get to that surprise because we kind of. <laughs> this was great, dude. Thanks so much for talking about that. I love, I love course, it. I'm bro. gonna, I'm gonna. I love talking. We're death metal fans, and we're talking about rom com. I love it. I love hey, it, man. It doesn't get any uh, better than that. Variety is the spice of life, my friend. I can't do this. <laughs> I can't with you, dude. This is great. Um, but uh, uh, dude, okay, so let's get to that. Let's get to the the final part of this interview, man. Uh, hey, let do me a favor. Uh, stick around after the interview for just just like a minute. I want to yeah. tell you something really cool about about us. All right, I think you'll dig all it. Right, cool. All right. So I do this for all my guests, and I know my my listeners already know they love this part. Alex, I'm going to do something called. The lightning round. I'm going to go down the list. You just have to think quick on your feet. I'm going to ask you a question. You have to pick one or the other. Okay. All right. Some of them are simple. Some of them are just downright stupid, but that's the best part. Okay. All right. Sounds All right. good. All right. You don't, you, you don't, you don't look nervous. So I think, I think we got this. Here we go. Red or blue? Red. Vegan or meat? Meat. Coffee or tea? Tea. Cats or dogs? Uh, cats. Star Wars or Harry Potter? <laughs> Neither. <laughs> I guess Wait, Star what? Wars. <laughs> That's fine. That's an answer, though. Neither. <laughs> Mexican food or Italian food? Mexican food. All right. Now, I know you're in Rochester, so I don't know how much of a sports fan you are. What do you see most around you? Or do what do you prefer? The Giants or the Jets? Buffalo Bills, baby. Oh, hell yeah. So I'm a Giants fan. So uh, my photographer on Interview Under Fire... She covers out our shows out on the East Coast. Her husband's a Buffalo Bills fan. So anytime oh, yeah. it's the Bills, I'm always rooting for them. Man, I thought you guys had it this year. I don't want to talk oh, about oh, it. <laughs> man, I was like, come on, really? I'm just glad, glad the Chiefs aren't in there. But I think you yes. guys got something going. And thank you for giving us a GM. <laughs> we hey, got your GM to the Giants. And we got, what is it? We got a head coach. We got your offensive coordinator. But yeah, man, we got to we got to keep uh, Ken Dorsey, which I'm stoked about. So I was I not think, a fan of that. I wanted Ken Dorsey. <laughs> I know, dude. I was I was Ken Dorsey, fucking... and then I forgot our coach's name already. I can't. Uh, the De, ball, yeah, or Brian Dable, Dable. Brian yeah. Dable. Yeah, I was hoping they would come together, but okay. Yeah, I think he's gonna be awesome for you guys. Yeah, but hey, um, Bills, man. I hope you guys win a Super Bowl very soon. Hey, um, me too. <laughs> I, I've I, experienced two of them. All right, trust me. It's it's time for you guys to take take the home, all right? I want it more than anything else. You have no idea. Dude, I, I understand. Hope you get that. All right. Shout out to the Bills and the Giants. Hip-hop or country? Hip-hop. Halloween or Christmas? 
Christmas. Oh, wow. That was a, I was expecting Halloween. That's a, you threw a, a curveball there. All right. You've been throwing curveballs at me all interviews. So <laughs> I don't even, I don't even know anymore. All right. Christmas Chicago, best, Chicago or Los Angeles? Uh, Chicago. All right. Now we're on the topic, topic of movies. Which actor would you pl- pick to play yourself in a movie? Oh, oh there's not a, there's no options. Um, uh, you know, people have I told me that... <laughs> now I got to re- re- reword that question next time. But let me see what you got. Uh, people have told me uh, when my hair is long and curly that I look like Jason Biggs from American Pie. So uh, I guess Jason Biggs. That's that's a new... I didn't even think about that. That's, that's actually pretty good. All right. Um, now I'm here in Texas. I like asking this question because there is a debate about this. Now... Interesting. Is it pecan pie or pecan pie? What do you say? Oh, I say pecan pie. See that I I was betting on that because you're originally from the Northeast, right? Yeah. 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 I wonder why is that? Because that side, every every artist I've spoken to in that part of the states, it's always pecan. Here, I say pecan, but it's actually pretty divided. Divided. You know, next time you come down here, yeah, ask, ask the audience that question. You're gonna see half and half. It's pretty insane. <laughs> All right. If Hannibal Lecter, this is ridiculous. If Hannibal Lecter offered to grab a drink with you, would you accept? Yeah, probably. <laughs> he needs a drink, man. I don't think he's out of yeah, drink. He's tired, dude. <laughs> All right. Are tomatoes a fruit or a vegetable? Uh, aren't they a fruit? Am I, am I fucked up? I, do, I, don't, I don't think there's a right answer to this or wrong answer. I don't think there is rather. either. Yeah. I think it can be either because th- you can eat it raw, but then you can right. cook it. And eat it that way. I don't know if that defines it being a fruit or a vegetable either way, but I feel like that's another rabbit hole. I know somebody else would be like fruit. <laughs> I think the jury's out on that one, but I mean, like, I feel like the past couple of years I've been going around believing it's a fruit, so I'm uh-huh. gonna roll with that. <laughs> that's called a fruit. Would you rather be able to speak every language in the world or be able to talk to animals? Every language for sure. All right, last one. I love this one. There's a time machine in front of you, Alex. It says the destination is the first concert you've ever attended. Where are you? And what do you remember the most about that day? <laughs> um, the first, I mean, like, I, I hope this is another screwball. <laughs> literally the first concert I ever went to. Not like, I mean, I, I went to one by myself at, later on, but the first one I ever went to period was when I was living downstate when I was very young mm-hmm. and it was Blondie uh the cars and a third band that i can't remember but I, I think i was like 10 when i went it was at the jones beach amphitheater in long island new york and uh, do you still have the ticket stuff from that day i do it's at it's at my parents house but it's like it's almost completely faded so you can't even tell what's on it but holy shit. um i think the only thing that's left is the Ticketmaster logo of course but do you have uh, pictures from that day I don't think so. I was I was really young. <laughs> I had a conversation yesterday with another artist, and uh, I was asking, remember the disposable cameras we would used to take yeah. with us, and you could take those pictures? Man, I, that's what, something that I would do. But man, Blondie, dude, that's... It was cool. That must have been awesome, especially at that time, too. Yeah, it was cool. I mean, I, I wasn't really that familiar with her or the cars, you know, I mean, when I was, I was, what, like 10, so I was pretty strictly a green day person at that point <laughs> like if it wasn't green day i didn't really care um but yeah i remember like blondie making a pretty big impression on me i remember thinking blondie was really good and i thought that debbie harry was really cool and i remember somebody in the front row handed her an umbrella when it started raining and i thought that was very cool <laughs> and then uh the cars went on and i remember just thinking like wow these guys are really old <laughs> and then Man. uh that's that's kind of it. You can never go wrong with cars, though. I mean, uh, oh yeah, late, Gary now, Newman, and it's just oh, the, the, yeah. the the legacy that he's cemented. Even hey, there are a lot of metalheads out there like us who you know, I cars are a very monumental like piece of like influence on these artists. Yeah. You know, I think Fear oh, yeah. Factory even did like a cover of that song. Oh, so you're thinking of the oh, Gary Newman song "Cars"? Yeah, that's what I'm thinking of. That's what I'm thinking of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're talking about the cars. The, the cars. Sorry. I am so sorry. See, that's what I'm saying. I'm even I'm throwing myself a curveball here, but the cars, yeah, the cars, like even, even still, so you know, that my point still stands. Like, yeah. even, even so many other bands, like within this realm of the genres we've discussed, they mention something that doesn't involve heavy metal, you know, that have provided an influence on the music they made. But would you make that trip though? 
with the time machine. Yeah, Alex? Hell yeah. yeah. I think now, especially, but like I'm, you know, many years older and I have definitely way more of an appreciation for Blondie and the cars. I would mm-hmm. enjoy that show a lot more. So I would definitely go back and see it. Man, uh, that was this was fun, Alex. Uh, I know we're rounding up almost to an hour here on this podcast, but bro, this has been an honor. Again, I stick around for one second after the interview after, after this ends. Do you have any, bro, do you have any last words, any shout outs, anything you'd like to plug in or mention um, as far as undead before we finish things off here? You know, uh, uh, shout out to everybody listening. Hope you enjoyed uh, our, our rom-com <laughs> conversation. That was for like 20 uh, minutes. I love it. Yeah, um, <laughs> you know, we our new album comes out on April 22nd. It's out everywhere on Prosthetic Records. Um, playing some shows that we mentioned before. Do some East Coast stuff in March, and then we're going out with Dying Fetus, and for basically the entire month of May into early June. So you'll uh, be here yeah. on May 10th in Dallas, yes. bro. I will be there. Hell yeah, bro! Uh, I would love to. It, I would love to meet you. Uh, get a grab a beer after your set, man. You'll be here yeah, at Ampl- Amplified Live. That those are some good people. Uh, running. Yes. Yeah, oh, we had a yeah. fucking awesome time last time. Yeah. Um. And uh, Mike and Alex, who are the owners of that venue, some of the greatest people I've ever met. So you're in good yeah. hands with that venue. So I yeah. man, sky's the limit for you guys. I wish nothing but the best for Undeath going forward. I can't wait for everyone to hear this album. I mean, it's going to be a, a roughly a month until I see you guys after the album drops. So I'm expecting. I mean, you saw the crowd at Black Dahlia. I'm <laughs> expecting a much bigger crowd this time around. Um, Hell yeah, every, dude. And everyone who's listening, this is Alex Jones from Undead. It's time to rise from the grave. Drops April 22nd on Prosthetic Records. You can listen to this podcast on all major podcast streams out there. Check us out our interview on fire.com and do us a favor, everyone out there, buy the record because the bands can't do it without your help. I know, especially with the last two years, it really goes a long way. So, Alex, thank you from the bottom of my heart, man. Rom coms till we die. Uh, I will Always, check. Bro. I will Always. check out. I'm gonna check out uh, that movie you recommended. I have it saved on HBO Max. I forgot what it was already. Um, it came together. It came. Be- God, look at this. All right. <laughs> yeah, ready, ready to go. All right, Alex. Uh, I'll talk to you next time, buddy. All right, peace, buddy. Thank peace. you. guys thanks for listening to interview under fire podcast if you guys liked what you heard please subscribe and share our channel and please leave a five-star review as that helps us tremendously if you'd like to check out more visit www.interviewunderfire.com or our social media channels on facebook instagram and youtube and finally we want to thank you all for the support you've been giving us keep it burning